literally every every morning I wake up and I grab a three by five note card and on one side of the note card I write what I'm grateful for and on the other side of the note card I write what I'm fearful of and at the end of the night I show up and I look at that note card and almost none of my fears come true. The simple act of me writing my fears down, but that's my practice. And part of the individual work that I do is finding ways, creative methods for people to integrate whatever experience they're having. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of the Mindfulness Experience Podcast. This is your host, Keith Fiveson. In this episode, I'm excited to be talking with G.V. Friedman. G.V. is a self-awareness coach, psycho-spiritual guide, and the author of the Psychedelic Field Manual. He lives at the intersection of entrepreneurship, mental health, and psychedelics, and he believes that self-knowledge will lead us to greater peace, joy, and freedom. In our conversation, we discussed a variety of topics related to psychedelics and self-awareness, including what led GV to become a self-awareness coach, the benefits of psychedelics for personal growth, and how to navigate the psychedelic landscape safely and effectively, as well as the importance of setting clear intentions before taking psychedelics. We've talked about much more as well. I hope you enjoy this episode and check out GV's website at gvfriedman.com for more information on his work. Hey, hey, hey! My goodness gracious, GV, Govinda, Govinda Freeman. Yeah. Do I have it right? Govindas. Govindas. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. I'm yeah. really excited to have you here. And uh, for the benefit of uh, our our audience and our listening audience, who are you? Hmm. <laughs> Such a deep, deep question to start. Oh, God, who am I? Everything and nothing. The uh, What I often find the spiritual bypass answer to that question is I am. Mm, mm, <laughs> um, yes, which I think there's a lot of truth in that, and there's also um, for those of us who still have to live in this 3D reality, we mm-hmm. we do attach ourselves to some roles mm-hmm. to help <laughs> define who we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, from mm-hmm. a from a professional perspective, I call myself a self awareness coach and a mm-hmm. psycho spiritual guide. Mm-hmm. Um, I also. Um, am a yogi mm-hmm. i am uh, a deep follower of entheogens and plant medicine mm-hmm. and um, psychedelics mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and honestly i really just try and show up and mm-hmm. be present as often as mm-hmm. i possibly can wow well you know i i love that answer and it's uh it's got so much to unpack in in that conversation right you know the i am is the the so hum you know it's the it's the wonderful uh, uh, recitation, and there I have that, I have that book. I am that, you know, uh, because we really are whatever we attach ourselves to, right? It's the mm-hmm. story, it's the narrative, and the ability to unpack that narrative. And I, and we came to know each other through, I guess, uh, on LinkedIn, but we came to know each other through the 
work that I'm looking at doing and uh, really involved with in the psychedelic area and really studying that area. But I'm really more in the mindfulness area uh, to go ahead and help people to show up. So you would method you mentioned ethnogens and you mentioned psychedelics and you mentioned the whole area of of uh, you know vipassana or or uh, meditation. Tell me what do they all have to do with each other and what are you doing uh, in that kind of work? How do you how do you bring that to other people? What does that look like? Yeah, that's a great question. Thank you for asking. Mm -hmm. And thank you for having me today. Mm -hmm. uh, I absolutely love talking mm -hmm. about all of this stuff. And to the big answer is, is mm -hmm. to your question is that's why I call myself a self-awareness coach, because mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if it's Vipassana. It doesn't matter if it is psychotherapy, if, if it's entheogens, mm -hmm. um, all of these things, meditation, all mm -hmm. of these things are designed to help us become more aware of the self. Hmm. Um, I have a fundamental belief. I have a fundamental philosophy that I would like to experience as much peace, joy, and freedom as I mm -hmm. possibly can. And the way that I find most effective to do that is by looking inside. Hmm. So all of those things are an effort to find the peace, joy, and freedom that lies within us all. Mm -hmm. I just happen to use those things as my tools, as my paths to get there. I think that there are hundreds, if not thousands of tools that people have used through the course of time for, for mm. what I do mm -hmm. is, mm -hmm. um, I do a lot of coaching work to help people truly realize like how they're showing up mm -hmm. and the thoughts that they're thinking. Right. And that also moves over into the entheogenic work mm. where you know, Michael Pollan's mm -hmm. book and subsequent mm -hmm. TV show, How to Change Your Mind, I think is, mm -hmm. is beautifully named for, for me for one specific reason. We have a lot of untrue thoughts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if there is someone, and most of the time we don't even know that the thought is untrue because it's just always been there. We've always believed it. We don't even know where it comes from. Mm -hmm. Maybe it was taught to us. Maybe it was quite literally like given to us in our, through our DNA, mm -hmm. but we don't know that that thought is untrue. And that mm -hmm. thought is causing us to feel bad in, in mm -hmm. any number of different ways. Bad programming. So, yeah, exactly. It is, it is a bug. Mm. Uh, it is a bug in the system. It's a virus. <laughs> and <laughs> if we can have someone Mm -hmm. hold up a mirror and show us our thought mm -hmm. and then help us begin to explore the truth or mm -hmm. falsity of that thought. If we mm -hmm. can realize that that thought is actually untrue, mm -hmm. then in this case, psychedelics mm -hmm. have profound abilities to help us quite instantaneously change our mind. Mm -hmm. We mm -hmm. can believe one thing mm -hmm. and then a moment later, with the help of someone who can help us see our thoughts, mm -hmm. we can believe something completely different. And whereas psychotherapy, which I absolutely believe in, I, mm -hmm. I, I'm a hundred percent believer in that, but I tend to find that psychotherapy, we mm -hmm. really hold on to our thoughts. We try and disprove ourselves. It's all mm -hmm. very much inside our mind. Mm -hmm. In and the default mode network. <laughs> and with entheogens, we get to like move into the nervous system. We get to move into the body. And when we can experience a new thought, we can experience something change mm -hmm. in our nervous system. Mm -hmm. 
we change our minds almost instantaneously. So it's so what I hear you saying is the opportunity to kind of look at our narrative, step back from the narrative and uh, have a assessment of who we are, what we are, where we were, where we were, where we are, what our lives are, but not from the viewpoint of I am, right? But from the viewpoint of, oh, that's my narrative. That's my story. That's not necessarily me. I am that which is looking at the world through that perception, through that perception or through that lens. So what I hear you saying is it gives you the opportunity to step back, take a look, you know, to check in, to see what condition your condition is in. Right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know? absolutely. And, and, then, and then be able to go ahead and reset, reframe, rewire, and reboot perhaps uh, to a new reality. So this uh, idea of uh, cognitive distortions, you had talked about, well, you didn't say cognitive distortions, but you told faulty, faulty thoughts, right? Yeah. Cognitive distortions are really like, uh, you know, uh, some of that might be wishful thinking or everything thinking, or uh, people don't see me, they don't hear me, they don't know me. Uh, if I only could, if not for that, so on and so forth. So what you're doing is you're doing, you're, uh, you're giving people the capability to wake up. It's sort of, it reminds me of that, like, do you want the blue pill or the red pill, right? <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to take this little note card off of my <laughs> laptop right now. And I'm going to okay. show it to you. It says the business of waking people up. Ah, okay, good. Um, and and that's it's literally sitting on the front of my laptop and it's not something that i i very outwardly say to people because sometimes folks have a mm -hmm. uh maybe a negative reaction to that but that's what what i'm here to do is wake up mm. and i've found mm -hmm. that in many cases um i am in the business of helping business leaders wake up so and when I'm did you when, when did you realize you wanted to do that what 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 kind of like moment in your life you know i mean that's not like the you know, first of all, you got to wake up in order to, you have to have some wake up call, right? In order to feel like, oh, I'm, oh, I didn't, wow, look at that. And then all of a sudden say, well, if I could only help other people do the same thing. So what was your moment? What was your kind of aha moment where you kind of looked at this kind of work that you do and where do you do it? And, 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 you know, like, where did it lead you? To where you are now well that's a it's a really long and complicated question well, that yeah I, shorten I, it up shorten it up i, I won't know. go into tell, all tell us details. everything but only say it in a few minutes yeah the the really <laughs> short short version is uh i was a, i grew up in a tiny little town in the middle of central nebraska mm -hmm. 700 people hmm. um i i moved on to a little a little bit larger town but i got outed as a gay kid when i was like mm -hmm. 13 years old and mm -hmm. it was really really traumatic um mm. in the mid 90s in the middle of central nebraska so i disappeared mm -hmm. i became a foreign exchange student to escape some of that trauma mm -hmm. i lived in belgium as a 15 year old for 11 months mm -hmm. and that started what became a really unhealthy relationship with substances mm. drugs alcohol um, codependence was also in there. Mm -hmm. And when I turned 30, uh, after getting arrested twice for drinking and driving, I said, mm -hmm. huh, maybe I need to mm -hmm. uh, start changing my life. And that was truly the very, very beginning of the wake up call. Mm -hmm. um, I've spent 15 years in 
uh, 12-step recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in 2012, I found therapy. In 2013, I mm-hmm. found, uh, actually 2012, I also found yoga. 2013, mm-hmm. I did my yoga teacher training. That was another big wake-up call. Mm-hmm. 2015, I landed in Peru doing ayahuasca in the jungle, another Mm -hmm. big wake up Mm -hmm. call. Mm -hmm. And then I would say the really interesting and big one Mm -hmm. was 2020, right in the middle of COVID, Mm. I set for 10 days of Vipassana. Mm. Okay. And explain Vipassana for those people who don't know it. What is is Vipassana? I mean, Vipassana is a style of meditation where Mm -hmm. we simply become aware of what is happening in our own body and we mm. we very tightly focus our awareness mm-hmm. and then through the process uh through the course of 10 days which is completely silent you show up on the first day and at about seven o'clock on the first day uh, you stop talking and for the next 10 or 11 days you don't talk you don't read you don't mm-hmm. write you don't uh, play music, you don't exercise. All you do is wake up at 4.30 in the morning, you meditate for about 12 mm-hmm. hours a day, you eat a couple of meals and you go back mm-hmm. to sleep. Mm. And the definition really is like to see things as they really are, to see yeah. th- to see the world as it is, right? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I had a profound, a couple of very, very profound openings mm-hmm. during this meditation course. And that mm-hmm. sort of changed my approach to life. I was running a tech company and I was running a tech company up until the the end of uh, October 2021. Mm -hmm. And uh, COVID really kind of killed that. Mm -hmm. And I had been doing a a fair amount of coaching prior to that. But when COVID really messed this whole thing up, um, I really went all in. And Mm. I decided that uh, it was now time to start taking the teachings that I had been so freely given mm-hmm. for so many years and mm-hmm. offering those to other people. And so you, so you, you really made a switch. You turned everything upside down in one way or turned everything right side up from the viewpoint of looking at who you are, where you are in the world and what you want to stand for. Now you're doing something around that called EMP and you've got this conscious uh, shala, right? What, mm-hmm. What, for the benefit of, you know, is this the way you now go ahead and embody this work? And maybe you can tell people a little bit about that. Yeah, there's really four ways that the work kind of comes out. Um, EMP stands for Entrepreneurship, Mental Health and Psychedelics. And the intention of that is to really help entrepreneurs get to know themselves a little bit more. Um, psychedelics doesn't always have to be a part of this, but I simply open it up. There's so much interest especially with all of Michael Pollan's work and all of the research that's coming out now, there is so much interest in the topic. So I just simply Mm -hmm. offer it up as an opportunity to talk. But a lot of times it's the intersection of entrepreneurship, mental health, and psychedelics. Mm -hmm. Um, The Conscious Shala is a healing space uh, that I recently built and opened Mm -hmm. that is not actually uh, devoted to psychedelics. It's really Mm -hmm. devoted to spirituality and community. Mm. So whether that's Mm -hmm. 12-step work, whether that is we have family dinners, Mm -hmm. um, we have uh, conscious parenting groups, it's really the idea of bringing adults together who Mm -hmm. are not interested in going out to the bars and not interested in going out and drinking and bringing adults together for conscious communication Mm -hmm. and conscious Mm -hmm. conversation. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so that just opened up about two months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, now you said you said you set that, uh, which uh, which was very interesting to me. You set that up as a five hundred eight C one A, right? So that's actually a different thing. Oh, okay. So, right. so the right. Church of Universal Consciousness. Got it. The Church of Universal Consciousness is mm-hmm. a plant medicine church. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a 508C1A. That is a um, mm-hmm. a religious organization mm-hmm. where we choose to use psilocybin as our sacrament. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so we ingest the mushrooms to commune with the divine. Mm-hmm. Um, and through that, while communing with the divine is our primary goal, um, mm-hmm. the result of what happens when you connect with your experience of divine consciousness Mm-hmm. can be far sweeping people can heal people can receive insight mm-hmm. like we don't we have no way of knowing the results and the effects of what people are going to get when right no. so 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 God. so wait a second wait a second now you know like okay i got the i i got the conscious shala i understand that yep. i understand the coaching work uh but this whole idea of the the psychedelic church mm-hmm. uh tell me what's the difference between that and let's say a rave or like a medical experience because it sounds like you're all getting together and just like having a good time like you know having some having some <laughs> you know like hey guys you know here 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 and like you're passing out mushrooms and you're doing that right that's part of the so tell me what's the difference and and do you think that there's obviously you're involved in it where does it where does it fit in the ecosystem of spirituality yeah that's a great question so i wrote a blog post called the seven steps to psychedelic success and the first Mm -hmm. step is intentionality Mm -hmm. Um, the intention that we bring forth with the church of universal consciousness is to connect with the divine now recreationally so i have a few different buckets so ceremonial is how we choose to use the sacrament how we choose to use the mushrooms Mm -hmm. Um, it is in a ceremonial fashion Um, there is no touching there is no talking we we honor noble silence Mm -hmm. Um, there is music played during the ceremony but essentially people come in um, Mm -hmm. we we say a prayer we set an intention people are offered uh, an amount of sacrament that they Mm -hmm. choose Mm-hmm. And then they go back to their space and they lay down for four to five hours mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they essentially pray. They commune with the divine and the plant. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe mm-hmm. that these plants um, have their own intelligence and we're simply tapping into uh, a portion mm-hmm. of that intelligence. Mm-hmm. So that's well, how any, I, anyone can come in and, and be a part of the church. Anyone can be a member of the church. Mm-hmm to sit in a sacrament ceremony mm-hmm. uh, you do have to go through a a health questionnaire mm. and a screening call to make mm-hmm. sure that there's no contraindications we mm-hmm. absolutely focus on safety as a part of this mm-hmm. um, we, we're essentially doing the same thing and mm-hmm. we are operating under the the same auspices of the native american church in their use mm-hmm. of peyote mm-hmm. okay so so yeah, you uh, anyone can become a member of the church and participate in all of our church activities. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to sit in a sacred sacrament ceremony, you do have to go through um, a health questionnaire and 
uh, and a discovery call to make sure that there are no contraindications. Right. So this is like the 508C1A is a part of like the, uh, was it the Religious Freedom Restoration Act? And, and you're like part of that whole thing, right? That's like a huge... That was a huge thing that happened back in the 90s, as I recollect. Yeah, right? so, so 91, um, mm -hmm. two Native Americans were fired from their job for ingesting peyote as a part of the Native American church. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, at, the, at the time, the Supreme Court actually ruled mm -hmm. against the two individuals. Mm -hmm. And then a few years later, I believe in 1993, uh, Congress actually enacted the re mm -hmm. religious restoration and free, uh, religious Freedom and Restoration Act, mm -hmm. right. which allowed them to be able to ingest mm -hmm. this sacrament as a part of their ceremony. Mm. So yes, we are operating under uh, the auspices of that mm -hmm. uh, legislation. Mm -hmm. The the 508C1A is really a, an IRS tax designation that does not have anything specifically to do with psychedelics. Mm -hmm. It's just simply a free church. Um, mm -hmm. It's a it's a nonprofit free religious organization. Mm -hmm. How is that different from? Uh, do you have to be a five hundred one c three in order to do that? I mean, is that? I mean, you're like a nonprofit, right? So is so don't you fall underneath the same <laughs> thing? I mean, you know, I've never I've never heard of this five hundred eight c one a. Well, there are a there are differences and similarities between a five hundred one c three and a five hundred eight c one a. The extent of those differences, I would encourage each one of your listeners, should they be right. interested, to talk to an to appropriate attorney and a tax, tax professional. Of, yeah. Hello. Um, hello. <laughs> uh, I am. Uh, we were advised wow. by some wow. very smart people in how to do this, mm -hmm. and I have to trust um, trust wow. them to advise us. I'm the last person that you want advising on tax wow. strategy. Wow. You know, uh, well, you know, what's so interesting to me and why I really wanted to talk to you is uh, the, the approach you have. I think, you know, this is the Mindfulness Experience podcast. And, you know, we're really, the whole idea is to really help people to be mindful, be awake, be aware, and come to a realization of, you know, their breath and how they're really showing up in the world. And you're doing that in uh, a number of ways, not only through yoga or vipassana but you're using psychedelics to do that how do you think it's different what you're doing than let's say i know your intentionality the sacredness of it then do you do you think there's like like we're going to do more of this do you think that the medicalization process is showing the way to get there do you think the raves are you know i'm just trying to understand where the place is because in my mind you know, I, I'm looking at like a lot of the churches. I was speaking with someone yesterday, and many of the churches can't find ministers. They can't, people aren't going to church anymore. People are looking for themselves and they they don't see the relevancy. So I'm I'm listening to what you're saying. I'm wondering, like, well, is this something like is this gonna happen for the future? What are your thoughts? Man, there's a there's so much stuff that's loaded into that question, and I'll throw a couple of I, things out, and I we know. can you can choose it's, a path. It's on purpose. <laughs> um, so the, I find a significant difference between religion and spirituality, and mm -hmm. we can go into that. Um, but I think that it's also helpful. You mentioned something about the therapeutic, mm -hmm. the medical path, mm -hmm. and I think that the re so that so in my kind of idea, we have. The researchers are one big bucket, 
-hmm. And they're out there literally doing research on the effects of trauma, the effect, even with healthy brains. Uh, we have somebody in, uh, in St. Louis, Missouri at, uh, at Washington University that's doing a research study using healthy brains. And we mm -hmm. see that brains become more plastic for up to 90 days mm -hmm. post psilocybin experience. So in that 90 days where our brains become like Play-Doh and we mm -hmm. get to teach them things in much more easy ways. Mm -hmm. So if we look at the researchers as one big bucket, um, I look at therapists as a, a second big bucket. So this is the big one that's going to be opening up in Oregon at the beginning mm -hmm. of next year. Right. They legalized all of these plant medicines and now they're they're opening up a path for therapists mm -hmm. to begin using these substances. Right. Um, ceremonial we chatted about and ceremonial mm -hmm. is really the under the religious auspices of the Religious Freedom and Restoration Act and mm -hmm. also my uh, my teachers are in Peru so they don't have mm -hmm. to go through all of the the legality of mm -hmm. serving these medicines but it's very spiritual in nature it is mm -hmm. is communing with the divine right and then i think there's also the the two other ones recreational um, taking a substance and going to a concert or to a festival and mm -hmm. to have fun mm -hmm. And then I think there's one that sits in the middle. There's one that sits between recreational and ceremonial. And this is what I see more and more happening. I find people have one foot in the recreation mm -hmm. land and one foot in the ceremonial land. Mm. And they show up for ceremony. Mm -hmm. They give reverence to the medicine. They, they participate in the way that they're expected to participate. Mm -hmm. But time and time again, they show up with the exact same situations in their life. They're really mm -hmm. not making any progress. Nothing's really changed, right? Nothing yeah. changes. Yeah. So I, I look as, at the record. As, as they the, say, uh, as they say, same same shit, different day. Yeah. 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 And I look at these at, at these experiential users mm -hmm. as it's like you walk into a movie theater. Mm -hmm. The the projector comes on. You watch this amazing movie. You might even cry. You might be scared. You might be moved by this movie. Mm -hmm. But then when the projector goes off, you leave mm -hmm. the movie theater right. and you just go about your business. You go yeah, to that dinner, was interesting. You, yeah. yeah, it was interesting. It's but I'm not changing my life. And mm -hmm. the big difference Mm -hmm. I believe for ceremonial users, for very intentional users, are two phases at the end of the experience, mm -hmm. what I call integration and activation. Um, and without those two, all we're doing is just showing up, getting high. Mm -hmm. And right. ceremonial use, there's a, I like to very frequently ask people, are you interested in getting high or are you interested in becoming free? Mm. So set setting, intention, you know, a lot of people say set is really intention, the mindset, you know, the intention of why you're doing it, right? The setting, which is the place that you're doing it in and the surroundings and the overall sense of sacredness. I mean, you know, there's something different about, let's say, doing, um, you know, mushrooms, if you will, in a basement, a dark basement that, you know, it could be cold and so on and so forth versus doing it in a holy spiritual place where you're giving yourself over to the sacrament. You're hearing the music, you're hearing uplifting, aspiring music. And then there's the integration, which is what did I hear? What does it mean to me? How does it apply to my life? And how can I use this as you say, from an application viewpoint, to apply to my life to really make changes that I need to make in order to go ahead and do the things that I really hope and dream for, I aspire towards, 
right? So when you're doing this, one of the things that you said, which I find very interesting, which is within the, you know, I think it's within the ethics or the process, you know, I'm, I'm in a process right now of a psychedelic assisted therapy for provider program with IPI, the Integrated Psychiatry Institute in Boulder. So, but one of the things that we're very, 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 very focused on is the whole idea of ethics, the whole idea of touch, the whole idea of working with people and really getting permission. So you're doing that, you're doing the assessment in advance, and then you're doing the integration work and the application work. How does that work? What, what happens with that? I mean, do you just, is it part of a circle or what is yeah. it one-on-one or what, what happens there? Yeah, so we offer for any of the individuals who sit, uh, become a member of the church and mm-hmm. who are sitting in our ceremonies, we offer integration in a group setting mm-hmm. at no charge. Now, honestly, we start doing integration the night of the ceremony. So mm-hmm. the first two steps uh, of our kind of integration or the integration kind of uh, protocol that I use, we do mm-hmm. two of those steps that evening. Um, a week or two later, we're doing a group integration session. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I also personally, as part of my coaching practice, offer individual mm-hmm. uh, integration work. And then the once, so I, I, I think integration, if you imagine walking down this well-worn path and this mm-hmm. neural pathway, there's no grass on this path. And we have walked down this path so many times that we can close our eyes and just continue walking. Right. Then we go through an experience with a psychedelic substance and we jump that path. We actually start walking down this new path and it's like we're out in the jungle. Like we're, we have to thrash away all of these, the, the weeds and the, the trees mm-hmm. and we have mm-hmm. to clear this new path. Right. So it's easy to lose that path. Mm-hmm. Integration is the act of knowing how we got from the well-worn path to the new path. Mm-hmm. How do we understand the experience? Activation, which mm-hmm. comes after integration, but mm-hmm. activation is the process of continually walking that new path mm-hmm. to make sure that that's the one that we want to stay on, to, right. to make sure that that's the one that our brain wants to remember. Mm-hmm. So integration mm-hmm. can be sometimes a relatively short process. Somebody mm-hmm. might be able to get one message out of a, an experience. Mm-hmm. And as long as they take that one message and they activate it in their lives through mm-hmm. basic thought changes and through action changes, then they can literally change their life, mm-hmm. changing a single thought. Mm-hmm. I like that. So uh, what are some of the challenges with that though? I mean, you know, because it sounds to me like um, you know, when we start talking about the neuroscience of the mind, right, we've got, you know, the one thing that these chemicals do is, and you can also do this via, you know, holyotropic breath work through a lot of breath work that allows you to go ahead and move into an altered state, you know, relax your default mode network, which is really the center of the hub of a lot of your ego. It's where your defense mechanisms are. It's where your self-referential areas are. So the chemicals allow you, the plants, the ability, it allows you to go into the subconscious realms and allows you to go ahead and unhook yourself from the protection, the guard at the gate, if you will. You say, hey, take a break. We're going to go ahead and explore a little bit. And then you go into the subconscious area and you go ahead and you understand some things about yourself where you see some things about the world that you 
were refusing to see before or you know for one reason or another it held you back and you come face to face with that then you have a conversation and then now you're back your plant your brain has some plasticity to it and you know we we have this conversation and you you i say you know hey this is the path i want to be on okay now what are the challenges with that do i do i need to like take more you know medicine every day do i have to take my zoloft or you know my mushroom do I, you know do i have is there meditation involved is there an ongoing re recollect recollection or writing process or how do you wind up doing that i imagine that's incredibly challenging well it's impossible to answer that question because mm. it's different for every person mm -hmm. it depends uh, it depends <laughs> yeah absolutely and you, so I love the fact that you mentioned holotropic breathwork, and I just want to tell you and all of your listeners, the mm -hmm. most profound experience, mm -hmm. life-changing experience I ever had was sitting in meditation. Mm -hmm. Good. So the awareness can come in all different ways. Mm -hmm. And how you, I think the awareness that, that springs forth is going to tell you how you need to Mm. Uh, act enacted in your life. We know that 95% of the mind's activity mm -hmm. is in the subconscious. There's mm -hmm. only 5% of what we experience that is really in the conscious mind. Mm -hmm. So I find that a lot of my work personally is reminding myself literally mm -hmm. every every morning I wake up and I grab a three by five note card and on one side of the note card I write what I'm grateful for and on the other side of the note card I write what I'm fearful of. Mm. And at the end of the night, mm -hmm. I show up and I look at that note card and almost none of my fears come true. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The simple act of me writing my fears down is my work. Mm -hmm. Now, mm -hmm. maybe not everybody has the mm -hmm. same fears mm -hmm. or not everybody deals with fear in the mm -hmm. same way that I do. Right. But that's my practice. Mm -hmm. And part of the individual work that I do is finding ways, mm -hmm. creative methods for people to integrate whatever experience they're having mm -hmm. um, into their life. So for some, it might be sitting in meditation. Right. For some, right. it might be going to the gym or taking a walk in the park or. Right. Right. And there's different ways of different ways of showing up. So, you know, I love the fact that you brought up fear because I, I use that with a client this morning, you know. Yeah, fear is the acronym uh, F everything and run or false evidence appearing real. But then there's the other side of it, the gratitude side of it, the courageous side of it, which is face everything and rise. So, you know, I, I like that opportunity of using that card. That's a, a great, you know, a, a great uh, mnemonic or a great remember, uh, remembering, uh, uh, you know, to remember, to bring back and, and put in our all the pieces of who we are and ourself. In your work, what are your concerns for people that are looking to do this work? I mean, because, you know, I, I think your questionnaire is great, but, you know, do you got people who sort of sneak through the sneak through the cracks and, you know, kind of crack up and kind of not you know, kind of freak out and F everything and run. <laughs> you know, I will tell you that, uh, I don't know, probably four or five years ago, we were mm -hmm. sitting in an ayahuasca ceremony mm -hmm. and a gentleman drank a small dose of ayahuasca and had a very strong reaction, mm -hmm. did not want to be in that ceremony anymore. And mm -hmm. he grabbed his keys and he said, I'm just going to go drive home. 
Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> um, wow. I then proceeded to uh, hold mm-hmm. on to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hate to use the word restrain, but that's really mm-hmm. what it was. There were two of us for a while restraining him for about two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. Um, after a certain period of time, that the medicine sort of wears off, and he was fine, and he came back in and sat in the circle mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. finished everything out. Mm-hmm. So people do freak out, and you've got to be present, not use the medicine yourself within the construct of the group setting. Is that is that pretty much right to really hold the space? Again, and if this is a it depends question, mm-hmm. and there are lots of different ways to carry medicine, and there mm-hmm. are lots of different ways to hold space. Mm-hmm. Uh, for uh, the ceremonies that we run, we always have assistants mm-hmm. uh, that are making sure that people are well taken care of and that mm-hmm. everybody remains safe. You know, I would tell you that in Peru, uh, that most of the medicine that I sit with, both with ayahuasca and wachuma, mm-hmm. um, the medicine carriers are absolutely drinking medicine mm-hmm. uh, because they are communing with the plant. Right. Um, when we are sitting in ceremony, um, I do take a, a small, maybe just over a microdose, mm-hmm. um, that allows me to experience the vibration of the plant. So I know where people are at in their experience, uh, mm-hmm. and I can guide appropriately. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there is, uh, there's never a time where I am ingesting so much substance that I wouldn't be able to. Mm-hmm. Um, speak mm-hmm. coherently or to help mm-hmm. somebody should they need it. So that's, uh, I think that's a very important distinguishment that you just brought up because uh, it's one of my, you know, I just recently wrote an article in Microdose uh, on, uh, you know, the sacredness of plant medicines and the medicalization of those those plant medicines. And, uh, you know, the whole idea of being able to hold the space or being in vibration as you talk uh, to and, you know, uh, uh, sacred uh, prayers or sacred, you know, ceremonies that really allow people to move into, uh, you know, attunement with each other. And I'm really aware of the fact that in the medicalization field, you know, it is totally verboten, you know, not allowed, not, not, no way, no how, you know, you, you lose your license if you are going to go ahead and take some of the same plant medicines or some of the same psychedelics that people are taking. So do you have a a sense of that? Do you have a Mm -hmm. sense that there is a, a distinguishment there that really, um, you know, we miss the mark, if you will, uh, in some way? Well, I want to first state that mm-hmm. if we think of, this is this is my, the way that I look at the- Please, yeah, that's uh, what I'm asking things for. Today. Yeah. So if we look at the top of the funnel, mm-hmm. if you look at, if you imagine a funnel, the top of the funnel is recreational. Mm-hmm. If we move down a little bit in the funnel today, it is uh, scientific and research. Mm-hmm. If we move a little farther down, we get to therapeutics. Mm-hmm. And then at the at the bottom of the funnel, we find spirituality. Mm-hmm. So while I, and I read your article, and there's a lot of it that I agree with, I don't have a problem with the medical use of psychedelics for mm-hmm. this specific reason. I think that we need to match the problem and the solution. Mm-hmm. So today we are using a whole bunch of antidepressants. We are using mm-hmm. a physical solution mm-hmm. in oftentimes to solve a psychological problem. Mm-hmm. And we know that antidepressants are just muting the symptoms. They're not actually fixing anything. Mm-hmm. 
So we use a physical a solution to solve a psychological problem and it doesn't right. work. Right. Now, where I think you're coming from in some ways, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but what well, I think what we're talking about is trying to use a psychological solution to fix a spiritual problem. And that's not going to work either. So this idea of a, of a therapist not ingesting any medicine and using it in a very medicalized fashion, mm -hmm. some of what I do is work with people to change their thoughts. Their thoughts are, if I can change one thought, we can, mm -hmm. we can affect the outcome. That is a psychological problem. Mm -hmm. And we can use MDMA, psilocybin primarily to treat a site we can use a psychological solution to, mm -hmm. to treat a psychological problem now where you're coming from and i agree that there are problems that sit underneath of the psychology mm -hmm. they are inaccessible by psychological means mm -hmm. and that's when we need to use these medicines in a spiritual fashion to mm -hmm. treat a spiritual problem mm, that's good so, i like that i like that yeah and and oh by the way if you read my earlier article i also talked about mindfulness and psychedelics as the new uh pathway towards mental health and towards uh spiritual health so i'm on i'm actually on both sides of the fence you know i'm a interfaith ordained interfaith minister i really believe in universal consciousness and i believe in you know the fact that we've kind of missed the mark and that what you're doing and what these plants can do to a very deep you know perspective is they can do the psychic and spiritual you know surgery if you will to get into the root cause of a lot of the problems and a lot of the a lot of the misalignments a lot of the maladies um maladies mal is that the way we pronounce that? malaise I malaise just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think that that therapy the the therapeutic the medical community are going to be the torch carriers for mm breaking a lot of the walls down and making these substances socially acceptable mm -hmm. and individuals will may set with a, a therapist or may set in a scientific study they may mm -hmm. get some benefit they may have some experience i also find that even in those medical instances even in a, such a sterile environment mm -hmm. all somebody has to do is just touch fire one time and if they touch that fire that lives mm -hmm. deep inside of them, mm. they will continue to seek out and go deeper in their practice. Mm -hmm. And the depth where they will end up is using these substances from a spiritual perspective. Mm -hmm. They will grow out of the mm -hmm. therapeutic community, but the therapeutic mm -hmm. community may be the ones who mm -hmm get this decriminalized right. for the, the masses. They could be the torchbearers, as you say. And I really like the idea of that funnel. That, that we, we've, got to, we've got to create some sort of a graphic around that. That's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's really good. Uh, just uh, to, uh, I'm looking at the time and I'm aware, aware that we've, you know, we've, we've kind of, I feel like we've just touched the tip of the spear here. Um, let me ask you, you know, when we, I just want to kind of end in this, in this way, you talked about holyotropic breath work, you talked about Vipassana, we talk about psychedelics, and, you know, there is, a, I think, a real, um, a real uh, edge 
uh, to a lot of the people in the community, in this in the spiritual community, that you know, psychedelics maybe the the sad sadhus that use you know ganja that use um, you know uh, 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 marijuana cannabis as a, as a sacrament may not think that, but a lot of the Buddhists who really look at you know any kind of and uh, any kind of substance that changes or alters your consciousness. Uh, you know, is a is a taboo. Tell me your perspective around mindfulness breathing and the psychedelics. Do you do you think there, do you think you need psychedelics, or do you think that mindfulness? I I'm I'm kind of thinking about your funnel again, and I'm wondering maybe you know maybe vipassana <laughs> or breathing a holyotropic breathwork is somewhere in that funnel. So. I will I'll give you a different funnel. You you oh, caught okay. on. Okay, it's a, good. It's good. A, I use a different <laughs> analogy though. Good. So let's say let's uh, let's start building a house mm -hmm. and the end house, of the house no. like okay. if you're going to build some furniture <laughs> um, the very end of the process is using some really like fine grain sandpaper. Mhm. Mm Right. Uh, to really smooth off the most basic of edges. I think that the fine grain sandpaper of what we're talking about is meditation. Mm. Is, med uh, is just sitting quietly and focusing the mind. That's sandpaper. Now, if we move to a little bit more coarse grain sandpaper, we end up with holotropic breath work. We can mm -hmm. drop into these altered states of consciousness, expanded states of consciousness, but we're not using any substance. We're just mm -hmm. using our breath. We're mm -hmm. hyper oxygenating our body and our brain. Mm -hmm. If we move up from there, I find a ball peen hammer is what you're probably going to find with MDMA. Mm -hmm. Gentle empathogen opens the heart. Mm -hmm. Now I move up to a carpenter's hammer, which might mm -hmm. be psilocybin and LSD. Mm -hmm. um, so a little bit stronger hammer. I can now start driving nails. You, mm -hmm. It's really hard to drive nails with sandpaper. Mm -hmm. But if you really need to get some work done, psilocybin mm -hmm. and LSD is a carpenter hammer. Now we move up to ayahuasca and wachuma, mm -hmm. um, mescaline and DMT. Um, those are what I would consider a sledgehammer. Mm. So now we're knocking down walls. So would LSD be in that uh, category as well? I put LSD near the near psilocybin, carpenter. Near psilocybin, okay, all right. Um, and then finally, like you end up with a wrecking ball, which is mm -hmm. ibogaine. Mm -hmm. um, ibogaine is is not ball. is no. is rarely ever used maybe mm -hmm. never used recreationally it's a 24 to 72 hour experience it's oftentimes mm -hmm. medically mm -hmm. given um it is mm -hmm. for it is the great interrupter mm -hmm. from a, wow. an addiction perspective right. um, so people that are addicted wow. to opioids they go down to costa rica or mexico or canada mm -hmm. and they're being mm -hmm. given ibogaine right uh, so that's sort of like from sandpaper all the way up to wrecking ball. Wow. We have to find the tool that best mm -hmm. fits the problem that we're solving and right. start with fine grain sandpaper mm -hmm. and figure out what works. That's what worked mm -hmm. for me. Like mm -hmm. I started with meditation and yoga mm -hmm. and it was only mm -hmm. three or four years in when I realized I can't get to where I want to go mm -hmm. with these mm -hmm. traditional modalities. And I had spent mm -hmm. seven years in therapy prior to wow. that. Mm -hmm. So right. start small, grow mm -hmm. as necessary. Mm, yeah. So if you really want to, if you really want to uh, deconstruct and uh, reassemble, 
then you've got this pathway to go ahead and do it. I really like that analogy as well. Uh, you know, building a house or reconstructing the house or putting up, put even putting up another room. You know, yeah. you, you some, sometimes have to, you know, break down the room you're in in order to build another one. So uh, that's really good. So um, GV, uh, I really, uh, really, really appreciate uh, your your being here and uh, giving out, giving us and dropping out a lot of this uh, wisdom and a lot of the consciousness that you've got. How do people find you if they want to, you know, get involved, get uh, some of your coaching, or or get involved in the uh, consciousness uh, Universal Church of Consciousness? Did yeah, I churchy. pronounce that right? Is it a yep. church? Church, Church of Universal, Universal consciousness. consciousness. There you yeah. go. Okay. So how do people find you and, 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 you know, what do they do if they, uh, you know, if they want to enroll or they want to become members? Yeah. The easiest way, just gvfreeman.com. G is in Gary, V is in Victor. Freeman.com mm -hmm. has almost everything there. Um, if you're interested in participating in the Church of Universal Consciousness, that's mm -hmm. couc.org. Mm -hmm. Couc.org. Okay, great. And uh, they can also find you on uh, LinkedIn as well, right? LinkedIn. Uh, LinkedIn is linkedin.com slash n slash GV Freeman. And, and you have a book too, don't you? Don't you have I a do. book? So uh, if, you're, if you sort of are interested in my approach, some of what uh -huh. we talked about today, uh -huh. um, psychedelicfieldmanual.com. Uh -huh. it's a, uh, it's, uh, if you go to my website, psychedelicfieldmanual.com, you can actually download it for free. Um, and right. it is a, it's the, the intention of this is really a community project because I'm, when I talk to you, I learn something. When I talk to the next person, I learn something and, and I'm really trying to collect all mm -hmm. of these teachings and my experiences, uh, and put them together in a book that really helps newcomers to the psychedelic right. space, navigate their way around. Mm -hmm. And it's a great book, lots of good information. And, uh, you've taken a lot of time and, you know, thought to go ahead and put it together. Also, I, I like the cover and I, I like what you're doing in that in that area. So it's very generous on your part. It's a free book, right? Yep. So you can just download free. that. Okay, great. Well, that's uh, absolutely wonderful. That's a wrap. Uh, you have any last thoughts or, or wishes for our listening audience? You know, the two things that I tell everybody that I work with is you are perfect and you're right on time. Mm. And the path is wiser than the traveler. Mm. Great. Love that. Love that. All right. Well, again, thank you. And uh, we'll catch you on the flip side. Sounds fantastic. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being a part of the Mindfulness Experience podcast. I hope you enjoyed this interesting conversation and the insights from G.V. Friedman. I hope he gave you some ideas on what's happening in the psychedelics renaissance industry. For more information about G.V. Friedman, make sure to visit his website at gvfriedman.com. We have other exciting guests coming up in the next few weeks, so please follow our podcast to connect. You don't want to miss any of the shows. Also, suggest any topics. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with me on my social media platforms or visit my website at workmindfulness.com for more mindfulness experience moments. This is Keith Fifeson. Thanks again. See you on the next show. Take care.